You're listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville and Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. Today, the title of my message is called Building to Boldness. How many can use some boldness in your life? Right? Some of you don't even want to raise your hands. That's how scared you are right now. I can't even raise my hand. I need help. And I want you to know that boldness is interesting because we all want it, but many of us were afraid to get into it. And, and how do I know that? Because have you ever, husbands, wives, maybe those of you students with your friends, where you recount a story, right? And so I met this guy and I said this and then I walked away. And then your, your, your spouse or your friend would go, is that really what happened? And you're like, no, but I wish I would have said that. I really wish I would. How many could go back in time and play it so much more epic than it really was? Right? George, anybody remember Seinfeld? George, anybody just for, I won't tell this joke if you don't, if you don't say you know it. Okay, good. George is at the conference room and the guy cuts him up. He says, George, the ocean called. They want their shrimp back. And George, back later, about it, three hours later, remembers uh, the jerk store called. They want you back. And it was so much later, and that joke didn't nearly go as well as it was in my head. Thank you for your pity laughs. Thank you. The nose are so good at pity laughs. Thank you. Well, we live in these times, and we have to know what to do, but we also can't just know what to do. we got to act on what to do. And so today I want to talk to you, and in the first service it got a little tense. I, I, I'm okay with that. I, I believe that we need to shake it up a little bit. And I think there's two groups of people in the church today. There's the ones that are completely disconnected from the world. I call them homestead to heaven. We're just going to do our thing, and we're getting out of here. And then there's the ones that are completely immersed in culture. And they're earthly agents with no heavenly agenda. And, and we have to get into the middle where we are not of this world, but we are engaged in what's going on. Because believe it or not, I want you to hear me, the world needs what's in you. And they need it to come out of you. And we live in a Western culture. Let me, let me just preference this. I'm teaching a Western church. Because this message wouldn't even work in most other persecuted nations. Wouldn't need it. But the church in Western world needs it. You need to wake up. Because the enemy are, of boldness, and we're going we're to expand upon these three. The enemies of boldness are fear of man, fear of suffering, and no fear or reverence or awe of God. What I mean by fear of God, because some people look at that and say, oh, yeah, I'm fearful of him. You know, I, I, I don't trust him. What I'm talking about is an awe and reverence of him that if he says it, I don't want to do anything but what God says. Like, if I see something of an injustice, I am moved by compassion to act on it. If we have those three things in our lives, we will not be bold. And I want to parallel them with stories from the Old Testament. Last week, we talked about the sons of Issachar. This week, I want to talk to you about Daniel and his three friends. You may know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Some of you know these stories, but three stories that I believe counteract those three things that come against your boldness. So if you have your Bibles, go to Daniel 1. And as you're getting to Daniel 1, I want to share a little bit about the context. Its context is everything. Daniel, this is a prophetic book, and some of this prophecy in this book, some people believe has come or has yet to come, and depending on your eschatology or where you are, but know this, that these words are still alive today, and they still matter today. And Daniel, in chapter 1, accounts of a story where the king of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, takes over Israel. Now, Babylon took over Israel. Babylon was the main force in the, nation, in the world at that time. 
They go into Jerusalem and they take out all the royal people. And it says in scripture, they took out the people that were good looking, that were wise. And in that group of people, they take of noble descent, they take Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And now they're prisoners. I want you to understand this. They are prisoners of a foreign nation. They are slaves that now have been given an opportunity King Nebuchadnezzar wants to bring them into his royal court and he's going to feed them and give them all the food that he himself would eat. Now, for a moment, you can think, this is, we are living well. <laughs> like, not, yeah, we may have taken as slaves, but now we get to eat all the good food that everybody else doesn't get to eat. But we, we, we jump into verse eight. And if you would stand with me, I think it's important to stand, especially when we read the word here today. Verse eight, chapter one, you can read along with me today. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youth who are of your own age? So would you endanger my head with the king? Now, Daniel is so adamant about doing what God told him to do that he goes above. He says, can I speak to your manager, please? He says, then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, and this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, test your servants for 10 days and let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. And then let our appearance and the appearance of the youth who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this manner, and he tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were in better in appearance and fatter in flesh than the youth who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine, and they were to drink and gave them vegetables. <laughs> As for these four youth, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all vision and dreams. You guys can be seated. Interesting. I'm laughing because I can think about how bad that would be as a kid if you were given vegetables to eat. Growing up, my mom, she, she you know, we, we were from the old school. Not now. We don't do this because we're soft parents. But my mom, she would, like, you couldn't leave the table till you finished eating. And I, I, I literally remember beets, beets, and lima beans, peas, carrots, and string beans. Now, I've, I've kind of fallen in love with some vegetables, but I, I still I get that gag reflex when I think about lima beans. Some of you are like, I like lima beans. Something's wrong with you. Something's wrong with you. I need to go to the doctors. Beets are good for you, my dad says. Yeah, that's why they're called beets, because they're beet. Think about that for a moment. That didn't go over well. Okay, a lot of beet fans in this place. I remember being at the table, and the lights were off, still eating. My family was in the other room watching TV. They moved on. They went to bed. <laughs> Little Mark, he's eating his beets. But in this case, it was a good thing because what happened was they came out better equipped, looking better. Now, you can look at this and think, well, that's just a diet thing. No, no, it's not. See, Daniel, to address the fear of man, he actually had a healthy fear of God. If you don't know scripture, and Daniel did, he, Daniel obviously knew the Torah. He knew what was written in there. It said that you're not supposed to eat certain foods. And although they were the best foods, 
Daniel knew if I ate the food, I would be in defiance of my God. So I am not going to defy my God. That's why it says here in verse eight, Daniel resolved. Essentially, he drew a line in the sand. I will not eat something that God does not allow me to eat. In the process, he actually came out better looking and said that he was fatter. Now, some of you are like, that's not a good thing. You don't want to be fatter. That just means he was more healthy. But here's what I love in verse 15. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance, fatter in flesh than all the youth who ate the king's food. As for these four youth, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God gave them. I believe that that word God, those three words, God gave them, was a response to their boldness. God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. When you are bold and you say, God is the only one that I'm going to honor, that in that process, God blesses you and favor comes upon you. We know that later in chapter two, verse 49, Daniel made a request. Daniel gets favor with King Nebuchadnezzar and actually Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are now over the affairs of the providence of Babylon. Let me pause for a moment. These are slaves. They're exiles. They are now given favor to rule in the nation they've been put into. Why? Boldness. How about Daniel 3? If you have your Bibles, you can move. I'm not gonna, not gonna read it for time, but many of you know this story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the fiery furnace. Everybody heard that story before? How many people were raised in the church as kids? You know, I talk about the flannel graphs. Anybody remember that? Some of you remember, you know, take this guy, you move him around here. That was before TVs and air and everything that was created. But this is the deal. You remember this because it was an epic story. Who doesn't want to be a little kid in a fire and come out of the fire and be like, look at me, man, I'm cool, you know? And you had to preference all these stories by telling the kids in children's church, don't do this at home, little Jimmy. Little Joshua, don't start a fire to your house. But for a moment, imagine this. This is, this is what's happening. For those of you that don't know the story, Daniel 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are now as leaders of the nation of Babylon, they have been told by the king. The king says, I'm going to build a golden idol. And at the sound, very, very critical about the sound. At the sound of music, the hills will come alive. At the sound of, at the sound of music, I had to do it because you were thinking it. At the sound of music, you're going to bow down and worship this idol. If you don't, you're going in the fiery furnace. Now, some of you, again, like we said before, you know, you tell the story like, yeah, you know, as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, heck no, I'm not going to bow. But some of you in that moment be like, okay, here I go. Why? Because nobody wants to suffer. Who wants to be thrown alive into a fiery furnace? That is your fate if you don't bow. So some of you may curtsy. You might do a little bit of this, you know. But, 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 but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had no fear of man or suffering. They didn't fear suffering. Look at this. How do I know this? Because first of all, the, the nation, the people coming after them, I want you to know that when you're bold and you live a life for Christ, there will be people that come after you. You have to resolve that in your mind. You will not be liked by everybody. In fact, if you are, you may not be living the truth. So can we just resolve, turn to somebody next to you and say, somebody doesn't like you. Just tell them that. That's a hard word. I can't believe you made me turn to somebody and say that. What is wrong with this church? Some of you are still, some of you, it's still hard for you. You're like, but I like you. Rest assured. You're, you're such an encourager. It's hard for you to, it's hard for you to know that somebody somewhere doesn't like you. Miss Janine, somebody doesn't like you. I can't believe it. 
your most likable person. Sally Ann, everybody likes you. There's somebody that doesn't like you. And so here they are, verse 12. There were certain Jews whom you've appointed over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So the king brings them in. Hey, you three guys, come in here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, let's talk about this. You're going to bow down? This is what they say. I love it. Epic. Just for a moment. Put this in the image of your mind. Imagine this picture. Shadrach, Meshach, verse 16. They answered and they said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, I always like to give a little attitude when I'm talking to, O Nebuchadnezzar, (laughs) we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hands, O king. And this is epic. Verse 18. But if not, but if not, Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your God or worship the golden image that you have set up. You can imagine the fire in Nebuchadnezzar when they said, even if we die, we are not going to bow down to you. That is, my friends, a living, breathing example of someone who does not fear suffering. Man, I want that in my life. Now, some of you are like, well, what happened? Tell me what happened. They go into the fiery furnace. So epic. I I just wish, these are kind of things I want to watch when I go up to heaven. Some of you know, I just imagine God has a laser disc and he just pulls out whatever do you want. Remember laser disc? Chris probably bought some. Didn't last, but a hot minute. Put the laser disc in. You get to that moment. I want to watch this in full time, in full LED glory, 4K, 5K, 7K, whatever it is now. Because these guys are thrown into a fiery furnace. And as they're thrown in, for a moment, they knew they could, we're ready to burn. Like this might be crispy critters. We're done. This is it. So they get thrown in, and for a moment, for a moment, imagine, nothing's happening. Like, bro, we, we chilling now. And as soon as that happens, you start strutting around the fire. You just be like, hey, man, George Jefferson, man. Hey, you know what I'm saying? We moving on up. We walking in fire now. Hey, who's this guy? Oh, man, there's a guy in there. And it says that it looked like, some people believe it was Jesus. Some people believe it was an angel. Whatever it was, God came and joined the party. Not only did he protect them, but he walked with them. They came out of the fire. Not only did they come out of the fire, but there was not even a smell of smoke, not even one hair. If you're like me, you want every hair you have. Not even one hair was burned off their head, Pastor Josh. Now, what happens after this? Listen to this. What happens after this? More power, more influence. So let's go to Daniel 6. Let's go. Daniel, the friend of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he hears these stories. He sees what God is doing. He's having visions and dreams. He's interpreting all sorts of crazy things. Daniel has favor because the kings go, this guy knows things that none of our magicians know. This guy knows more things. He understands things. That's the favor of God because the boldness of God was on his life. He had discernment and he partnered it with boldness. And so there was a moment now where the enemy comes after him. Oh. Daniel 6, verse 3. Then this Daniel became distinguished among, above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to send him over the whole kingdom. Oh boy. As soon as the enemy sees a godly man getting power, mm-mm-mm, comes after him. Then <laughs> the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could not find no ground for any complaint or fault because he was faithful 
and no error or fault was found in him. This dude lived right. Then these men said, listen, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. They realize this guy's living right, but there's one thing that is Achilles' heel. He will not defy the law of God. So what do they do? They go to the king. They say, hey, king, we got a good idea. This is how we're going to really extend your popularity. We're going to drive up sales, and you're going to have a lot more followers on Instagram. Here's what we got to do. We have to set a decree. Nobody else is going to pray to anybody else except for you. And King Darius is like, oh, man, this sounds good. Makes sense. Okay, let's do it. So he writes the decree. Now, this is how boldness. Oh, man, another step. Daniel 6, verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he, <laughs> he didn't panic. It didn't say that he ran to another country. It said he went to his house where he had windows in the upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. He was so enamored with what God had for him that even a decree by a man would not stop him from doing what God called him to do. He had no fear of man. Now let me remind you, this is a government official. This is the king. You don't listen to him, you'll die. Again, an epic story for kids. What did they do? They threw him into the lion's den. Now, these lions were trained to be hungry. They just weren't fed a lot. And so I think it's awesome how Daniel just thrown into it, right? Thrown into this pit, went into a cave, whatever it was. He walked in and these lions were like, hey, dude, what's up, man? And he was like, come here, little guy. And they started petting him. You know, and, and like, this is what I would, Lee, and this is what I would do. I would have taught him tricks. So like when King Darius came the next day, he rolled a stone away and I'd be like, watch this. Give me your paw. Give me your paw. Roll over. They're like, son of a gun. Why? Because these, these lions were now held back because of the boldness and favor on Daniel's life. We know the story that the ones that tried to set him up, they throw them, listen to this, they throw them and their children and their spouses, their whole family, and the lions kill them instantly. Boldness, listen to me, is perceived. I want you to see this up on there today. Boldness is perceived. Scripture helps you understand it. Daniel knew what the Torah said. He knew what Scripture said. We have the full canon, the Old and the New Testament. We have examples. We just sang a song. It's the same God. He did all of that. He is in you. The same Holy Spirit that was with Daniel in the lion's den. He's in you. You have nothing to fear. We have it. It's been perceived. We've heard about it. We've seen it. I remember when Leanne and I just had four kids. Peyton, you were the last one. We thought we did it. We did four kids. And remember we met that family that had eight kids? And we thought they were insane. Like we're like, these people are crazy. But meanwhile, they had fun. Their kids were exciting. And by spending time with them, we perceived the joy of what it looked like to have 10 kids. Fast forward, we actually beat them. Did you know that? We beat them. They only have nine. We have 10. Give me a five five. Well done. You did it. You did this. And I did too. <laughs> perceive it. What you perceive, it now will be, number two, the boldness is conceived. The Holy Spirit's inside of you. Like he's, there's something today. This is what I believe today. Prophetically, what's happening is that you're conceiving a seed form of boldness. Maybe that's faith in you to believe 
that God has given you a sound, a voice, to speak truth in a dark time. Do you know, I think you know this, we talked about this last week, that if you say marriage is between a man and a woman, that is a strange word in a day today. You know that, man and woman, that's all you say. There's only two genders, man and woman. There will come a time, Tim, Jennifer, where that will be hate speech. And at that point, again, at that point, you have to decide, will I speak the truth in love or will I cave to the culture? You have to, now, again, discernment, right? Knowing the truth, that's last week. And today, partnering that with boldness, speaking the truth. It's conceived. But then boldness is achieved. That's the last one. Your experiences allow you to own it. Do you know the little step of boldness you make will grow the next time? The next time you make another step? Most bold people didn't wake up one day, do crazy things. It started out when one step of honoring the Lord, one step of speaking truth, one step of making declarations. And in that, it not only is conceived, achieved, but then it's actually part of who you are. Your experiences allow you to own it. Just like faith. See, Daniel, I can't help but to wonder that when Daniel was faced with like, if you pray, you're going to get eaten. He thought about his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he said, the same God that was with them in the fiery furnace, I believe he can be with me in the lion's den. So I'm not going to stop doing what I normally do. In fact, let me open up the windows and invite everybody to participate. If you go to any Muslim nation, you know, anybody been to a Muslim, anybody been to Israel, Israel, you'll hear it. You'll hear the call of worship five times a day by a Muslim priest. Just over the, and you, whether you want to hear it or not, whether you want to, and dude, the dude can't sing. I'm telling you, I've been to some of those towns. Some of those towns that got, you're like, here we go. You have to acknowledge it. There's boldness in every other religion. But for some reason, Western Christianity, we're like, well, we don't want to offend people because maybe there's people that don't believe what we believe. Then they're going to hell. No, listen, they're going to hell. There is no other way except Jesus. That's it. So if you think, well, I don't want to offend another, you're not offending, you're rescuing them. Thank you. So we have to understand. Now, now you're all riled up and you're all excited, and this is where things got tense in the first service. Because how do we balance boldness and not fall into rebellion and anarchy? Because we do have a lot of Christians that just want to do crazy things and stamp Jesus on it. Right? Oh, Pastor Mark, he's starting a rebellion. I'm signed up. What do we do? How do we get the shirts? Let's go. <laughs> we'll sell them under the tent. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Got to fund the rebellion some way. No, we have to understand that boldness without discernment can go off the rails. So let, let me share with you some scriptures here. I'm going to do these brief. There's a scripture. I believe it's 2 Peter. Is it 1 Peter? Did I have it wrong in there? It's First Peter. Thank you. Did we? Thank you. Look at who? Did you change that, Ashley? You're amazing. Thank you. It, it said Second Peter, and I led you wrong. That's called not discernment. That's called bad planning. Thank you. It's First Peter. Some people are like, it doesn't say this in my Bible. First Peter two. Peter says this, and this is what we get all these things from. Like it's like, okay, Christians, you gotta sit down and listen to the president and do whatever they say. And and you're like, but it doesn't feel right. And and we we pull first Peter, and the other one is Romans 13. This is written by Peter, by the way. So let, let's just do it. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Okay. Subject for the Lord's sake. We're doing this unto the Lord. But look what it says: whether it be an emperor as supreme. Now, again, 
You honor to the title that they have. Governors, as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. We know that by Daniel. They said they couldn't find anything wrong with Daniel except he loved God more than anything else. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Now, this is where I want you to focus. Verse 17. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. That's us. Fear God and honor the emperor. Now, why are those words important? Because they, con they con condone a different form of respect. Fear is all in reverence. And what Peter is saying is, you need to fear God above everything else. That's it. Number one, what God says, that's it. Oh, and then, by the way, you need to honor people. Honor everyone. Now, let, let me throw a little tension in this because, first of all, many of you, you do honor, right? Because what do you do? You, you abide, you pay taxes, whether you like it or not, you do it, right? And, and you follow speed limits, right? Everybody does that here. Just want to confirm, everybody, it's subjective. What, somebody said it was subjective to where I got to go. That's <laughs> no, a suggestion. No, it's, okay, thanks, Pastor Josh. Okay, and uh, we, we, we do these things and we honor. As Christians, we do, we do. And listen, we know this, that it's not who we vote in that we get to honor. It's whoever's the president we have to honor. Now, I, I know you go, well, Pastor Mark, but what if they do these things that don't fall into alignment with your word and they're, they're trying to legalize abortion and all this kind of stuff and then we got to, well, okay, here, here, here's the caveat. The caveat is you have to treat God as supreme. And the moment that your natural leadership goes against your spiritual head, you have to honor what God says above anything else. Now, again, you honor all people. Now, how do you honor people like, for example, a rapist or a murderer? Because it says, does it say it in your Bible? It says, honor everyone. So that means that people that did, and, and I've seen this happen. Some of you have watched where a man has murdered someone's family and the son comes into the courtroom and looks this man in the face and says, I forgive you. Jesus loves you. That's honor. Now, you also don't take a rapist into your home and watch your kids. So there's a level of honor that we have for people that have gone through things. But I want you to understand, the church today is having a hard time discerning who do we honor and who do we fear. And I want you to understand this. When God says something, in fact, in Acts 5, verse 29, this is the same Peter that wrote 1 Peter. He says, as Peter and the apostle says, we must obey God rather than man. Simple. That's it. So let's go to Romans, because I, I want you to know that Peter and Paul both talked about this. Romans 13. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's long, and I want to talk about some other things here. But it talks about be subject to governing authorities. And this, this scripture came up quite a bit in 2020, right? And thankfully, in our county, in our state, we had a, a governor who said, churches are essential businesses. And I don't take that for granted because we got to meet in 2020 where some churches hadn't met for two years. But there was something inside of me. He could say, well, you're the pastor. That's what you do. But I was like, it's not right for us not to meet. Because Scripture says, don't neglect the gathering of the saints. Well, we're gathering online. Yeah, but I can't see you. Can't look at you. You can't look at me. There's something. And I'm telling you, that first day we came back in June, you know, we were told, listen, be careful of the elderly. Like, you know, they, they're going to die. 
Do you know who showed up the first day? The elderly. They're coming up giving me hugs. I'm like, am I supposed to hug you? I don't want to kill you. This, this is what we were told. But God said, no, 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 no. You have to meet. And so there was a tension in our nation. But Paul says, honor this. And he says in verse 3, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Now, let me tell you this same thing that Peter was saying is the same thing Paul is saying. You are to honor the government, listen to me, as long as the government functions by God's design. The moment it begins to function contrary to God's design, it yields up its authority. Same tension in the first service as it is right now. Why? Because we're like, well, what do we do? How do we know what to do? You have to, can I go back to, 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 the, to the message from last week? Let me, let me share with you. It's discernment. What did I say? You got to know the word. You got to know the heart of God. You got to hear God's voice and you have to walk in wisdom. And let me even add another one. You better have the right people speaking into you because for some of us, we're scrolling and our pastor is one of the people we follow on Instagram that says all the things we don't say because we're not bold enough, but we like what they say. But somewhere in our heart, we realize this doesn't seem to be God's nature. And now we have militant Christianity where we rebel against anything we don't want and we just slap Jesus on it and say, well, this is what Jesus told me to do and he gave me a word and I got to do this. And that's not how it works. Peter and Paul says, honor everyone, but you better fear God first and foremost. And so this message preaches here because in other nations, they're living it. In Iran, if I was speaking to you, you have already disobeyed the government by meeting in this place together. You have disobeyed the government by opening your Bible. You disobeyed the government by confessing Jesus as Lord. Guess what? This happens everywhere else. But in Western Christianity, in America today, we walk around and we, look, we don't want to offend people. I don't want to say anything that is offensive because, you know, Jesus wasn't offensive. Where? where what? What? Like, like what? How, do you remember when he was kicking over tables? You remember that? Some of you like that, Jesus. Now, don't go kicking over tables. There was a reason. He said, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer. You are defiling it. You're actually ripping off. They were ripping off the Gentiles. They were selling these things. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. I want all people to come to me. He was making a cultural statement in that moment. He's saying, you're not going to do these things to all these people. I want everyone to come. Listen, here's the deal. When, how do we walk in boldness? You asked me that. How do we walk in boldness and not recklessness? We got to discern God's word. We got to know his heart. We have to know when he says, did you ever feel that thing in your spirit? Have you ever been in an environment where you feel something and it's urging you to do something? You have a moment, a, a, a choice. Will I choose today to stand up and do the right thing? I remember this past week I was talking, we were, we were <laughs> I don't know if I was telling the story. I didn't tell it the first service, but we were in Captain D's. Now, okay, that, that's something, yeah, it's, it's sketchy right there. Um, <laughs> we had a coupon. <laughs> Let me sit down. Guys, we had a coupon. <laughs> I eat fish. That's my thing. So we went there. And honestly, like we literally were in a shouting match between two, a family and, and the, the wor people working at Captain D's. And I'm sitting there with my kids. I'm like, what is happening here? And I wish I could tell you I stood up and I was like, Jesus, have your way. Everybody, calm down. 
Jesus, we invite you here. How many need Jesus in their life? I wish I could say as your pastor, I didn't. You know what I did? I said, kids, just mind your own business. We're going to sneak out of here. <laughs> and I failed. But you've all been there. We've all been there. Because boldness is scary. Because we know that there's something going after us. But let me, let me read this First Peter. I read this last week. I want to read it again. First Peter 2.9. And, and this is you, by the way. You're a, a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim. Now, if you look at the word proclaim, it doesn't mean whisper. Jesus loves you. I hope I don't offend you, Jesus. He's good. No, you proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Ladies and gentlemen, those people change history. And I want you to change history. I want your kids to change history. I want to change history. See, godly boldness is not an option in our lives. It's actually normal in faith. And I hate to tell you this, and I don't want to seem like some kind of prophetic word to scare you, but you know what? Our nation, it's not necessarily going to get better. And I know some people say, we got to keep praying. We're going to keep praying. Naisha, we'll keep praying. Naisha, she sends out the prayer list every week, and we're praying for the nation. We're praying for our government. We're praying for our leaders. But you know, there is an ultimate end to this whole thing. Did you ever read the back? Some of you didn't get there yet? <laughs> I would encourage you. But the good news is hmm, that as this stuff happens, there will be signs and wonders and pouring out of God's presence like never before. And you and me, I want us to be part of that. Amen. So I want to bless you today. Daniel was blessed with knowledge, wisdom, and skill because he was unafraid. So let me pose these questions to you. How many advancements are we unable to achieve because of fear? Afraid to take risks? Afraid to believe more? Afraid to design something new? Afraid to challenge the established status quo? Afraid to speak up about truth? Afraid to stand up for injustice? Afraid to live reckless by the world standards? Do you know that having 10 kids, that now it's reckless? There, we actually have people in, in officials that are saying that, you know, we're overpopulating the earth. Seriously. I watched one family, they were talking about their 10 kids and people were on there going, you're the reason why carbon emissions are all off the charts and you're the reason of overpopulation. And you know what? Sorry, folks. My word says be fruitful and multiply. So I have to obey the word of God before your carbon emissions. Anyway, back to the good job, me and you. Some of us are afraid to break the mold of what's been set before you. We're afraid to start a new business or walk out a solution God gave you. But here's what I want to speak over you. Holy boldness is a kingdom quality. For every Nephilim, there is a Noah. For every Pharaoh, there's a stuttering Moses. For every Jericho, there's a Joshua. For every Goliath, there's a little shepherd boy on a hill named David. For every Hammond, there's a woman named Esther. For every Ahab, there's a prophet Elijah. For every Nineveh, there's a stubborn prophet named Jonah who has to be eaten by a fish to come back and speak the word. For every Pharisee, there's a converted Paul. And for every Roman Empire, there are disciples of Jesus 
We are to stand up and stand out with the boldness of the Holy Spirit. And here's what I want to say to you today. It seems like the church of America needs more lion's dens and fiery furnace moments to raise the faith level of the Western culture church. Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego changed the nation with their boldness, and they were captives. How much more so can free men and women in this room change a nation while we still have time? Young people, listen to me. We're counting on the fire in you. Because some of us older people, we're tired. (laughs) We're tired. We can't run as fast as you. Listen, my friends from YWAM, you're going through something so that you can transform the cities you're going back to. As we talked about, there's nations that God wants to give you. And I'm telling you, Don't be scared because where God brings you, he'll open up heaven on your behalf. And I'm telling you, if we can walk, listen to me, I want to address this right now. If we walk away from the fear of man, listen, I'm going to be honest with you, that's a hard one for me. Because even when I preach these messages, I'm like, oh God, I hope people don't leave the church. Oh man, they don't like that message. Oh boy. And and listen, we got to break the fear of man. So if that's you today, I don't want you to raise your hand, but I want you to hear my voice. God, break the fear of man off their lives. Break the fear of man off my life. Help us not to fear man. Not worry about what people think about you. Because I'm telling you, for every person that hates you, This has been my encounter. For every one person that says bad things about you, there's probably 10 people going, I'm behind you. I needed that word. Oh, man, I'm glad. We we got to go to, me and Chris and Jake, we got to go to Groove Life. I don't know if you know Groove Life. They make rings like this and belts and everything. And they're the second largest business in our city. GM's the first. They asked us to come in and do the devotional on Wednesday. And so here we are. We're sitting in the room where they assemble belts. And we're doing our worship and leading worship and got 30 minutes. And so I share my testimony. I'm looking around. You know, some people just say, ah, I don't know if this is connecting with them. And just fight through it. You just keep going. Because I've done this enough to know that sometimes you can't go off of what people's faces look like. Because some of you look rough. <laughs> like seriously, when I preach, you look like you want to kill me. I'm like, I'm sorry, whatever I did to your son or your daughter or your family or your money, I don't know. Please forgive me. We take a tour, and a girl comes around a corner. Chris, you remember this? Comes around a corner, and she starts weeping, and she says, that message was for me. Listen to me. We lay hands on her next to the rings, and we pray over her. I've decided in my heart, I can't fear man. Somebody don't like what I have to say, so be it. But man, there's people that are going, that was for me. There's fear of suffering. This is a hard one. Leanne is a pre-trib person. (laughs) Oh, you soft people. (laughs) Us hard people, we're going through it, Tim. Tim's like, no thanks. Don't put me in that. (laughs) (laughs) When that trumpet blows, I'm out of here. Let me hang out, God. I want to fight this off. Some of you are like, what is he talking about? It's hard to wake up in the morning and say, I want to suffer. There's something innate in us to fight against unpleasantries. Something's hot, we're told, don't touch. 
something hurt, you stop doing it. But with God, we can't fear suffering. Because as I showed you in Scripture, in these accounts of Daniel, that God showed up and actually blessed them. And here's the thing I didn't talk about, is in the nation of Babylon, God was proclaimed. Because after this all went down, King Darius said, listen, we're all going to pray to that same God Daniel prayed. If he got him out of a lion's den, he must be legit. Let's start praying to that God. How many of us know that maybe it's in your suffering, God will do something not only in you, but in the people around you. And this no fear of God, let me tell you, that's not going to happen. On my watch, as long as there's breath in my lungs, we need to have an awe and respect of God. And I believe that God is bringing that back to his church today. There was a sloppy grace that creeped in where we just thought, eh, whatever, anything goes, that's all right. And at some point we have to say, no, God's word says it. I either believe it or I don't. And how do you believe it? By walking it out. So why am I preaching this message, Mark? This is a message for now. And if we as a church don't stop getting wrapped up in, we can't bring political things into biblical things. We have to remember that we serve a king. Thank you so much for listening to this message. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multi-generational, multicultural community of believers passionately pursuing Jesus, family, freedom, and unity in the body of Christ. If you would like to connect with us, visit us at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.